Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today on Sales Lead Dog, I have joining me Trevor Breiniger of the Digital Branch. Trevor, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you. So Trevor, tell me a little bit about the Digital Branch. So the Digital Branch is a relatively new company that I started not too long ago. And the reason I started this organization is because I've been in sales my entire career. And I've been, I've been, originally I started in the staffing industry and I created a really successful practice over about 10, about 10 years in the staffing industry. And as any salesperson, as you start to grow in your career, I noticed that the processes and the, the overall sales tactics I was using was really successful but I started to get sick of working for other people. And I knew I had a great opportunity. I was, I was having a great opportunity learning in the staffing industry. And the great thing about the staffing industry is it's such a large and it's such an old industry and there's lots of competition in it. So I figured, hey, if I can sell in the staffing industry, I can now take the processes, the tactics, the approach to sales that I have help other people, help other businesses, help other organizations use our sales, use our business development tactics to generate new clients. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about your journey through sales and this decision to go out on your own. Um, how did that journey through sales prepare you for what you're doing today? For sure. I think the sales journey is always a really interesting way to look at it because everybody's experience is so different, mine included. When I first started in sales, I was the type of guy who I wasn't, I wasn't good at anything really. Like I, I pretty much knew I didn't know what the product was. Like when, when I started, I thought staffing was a very complicated product, hiring people for a position in another company. Like, how does that work? And it sounds pretty simple to a lot of people, but to me, this was very complicated. But I had one, I'll say, I had one advantage when it came to other people who are in a similar position as me is I didn't give up. I was the guy who would literally make 100 phone calls a day and literally just brick and mortar, nose to the grindstone, hit the phones every single day. And that is the foundation that my entire career outside of sales and in sales is has been based upon and it's it was really just getting on the phone and learning trial by combat out there speaking to people and just finding out getting a good pulse on what the customer needs were through cold calling yeah do you have any uh, particular memories from there you can share with us that were maybe kind of linchpins or those moments where you're like, let the light bulb goes off and it really sets you off maybe on a little bit of a different trajectory. Yeah, I, rem I remember. So when I was, I was always interested in sales. And so when I was in university, I interned specifically for sales positions. Oh, wow. And 
what happened was when I entered one year, I ended up calling into like an HR company and it was the only sale that I made over a two year, sorry, a two month period doing an intern. And a year later, I went to apply back to the company after I had graduated and they ended up hiring me because the client that I signed during that two month internship was now like their second largest client. And they they kept selling to them while I was, while I was away. Nice. So that I kind of got my first hit there. And that was really what started me on my path to like, Oh, Hey, it's like, it's not as hard as people say. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So tell me about the Genesis behind the idea behind the digital branch. So the Genesis behind the digital branch is from the get go. I've, Although I, there's the cold calling aspect of it, from the get-go, I've always been a technology guy. I've always been interested in development, even though my career path didn't go down the IT route. It's always been of interest of mine. So from the time I was in university, I started teaching myself on the side, like how to code in JavaScript, how web applications worked and, and whatnot. And so... Really what I wanted to do as I started to grow in my career is mix the technology side with the sales side in order to help other organizations sign more clients. And that's really, that's really where I'm at. I'm not really, I wouldn't really consider myself a traditional salesperson per se, but I'm more what I would describe, I'm on the business development end, which is really, which is really focused on new client acquisition at the digital branch. That's where we focus. We come into our clients and we say, hey, what kind of clients are you looking for? And then we build out a plan and execute on that process in order to start signing new clients for our clients. Right. And how does technology, what role does technology play in this process to identify and acquire new clients? So there's a few different technologies that I utilize in, in our company and we utilize company-wide. And the best way to think about it is what are really the different aspects of business development? So you have like your lead gen, you have your, you know, outreach to clients. You have, once you outreach the client and, and book a meeting with the client, how do you convert them to a client? There's all these different aspects. And then within all these aspects, there's more aspects that you can break it down to. So really, what I've done is I've built out a process to, first of all, identify what target markets are for a variety of our clients, build out specific, um, I'll say sales campaigns for them, and then automate as much as we can automate to the point where um, you still need to be personalized in your outreach. You still need to, in some industries, you still need to physically be cold calling, but how can we automate it to the point where sales reps or business development people are spending their time doing what's most important? And that's physically talking and closing new clients, closing new deals. All of the minutia surrounding that, all of the administration surrounding that, mm -hmm. I found is typically takes up a lot more time than you think, especially for, for very good sales people. They hate the administrative stuff. And for salespeople who aren't as good, 80% of their day is doing administrative tasks that aren't 
moving that yardstick forward when it comes to signing new clients. So the purpose of us is we come in and we say, okay, let's just automate that entire process, the administration process, and get you in front of fully engaged clients. We do this through email outreach. We break everything down into physically having a templated email for you. And all you have to do is look this person's profile up on LinkedIn and then put a little bit of customization in there if they're in your target market. Yep. Reaching out on LinkedIn as well is, is completely automated through us. Reaching out on social media. Today, there's so much noise in the world that when you identify your target market, half the time, they're not even hearing your message because they're getting pounded uh, by salespeople left, right, and center in other forms of communication. So how can we expand that without being annoying to our potential clients? And that's really, that's the niche that, that we operate in. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that, how breaking through the noise. You mentioned that you start with a template, but you have a component there where it's, hey, you need to personalize this. And I think that's that's one of my personal pet peeves with the emails. I have a folder of bad bad sales emails that I get, and there's a very consistent theme in all those emails, and it's a lack of personalization. Those emails aren't about me; they're about the person who sent the email um, yeah. and what they're trying to do. Um, how do you work with your clients to break through that noise? So a lot of the campaigns that we run for our clients are really, they fall into three, three categories, I would say. There's, there's, for some clients, depending on their business, there's like, there is a mass communication component of it. And this is more so marketing to people who we have a subscriber list to, so we're not spamming. And that's, that's really important. You don't want to spam. You don't want to ruin your, your reputation. And then the other two, which is a lot more B2B and sales focused is, I would say specific outreach on our campaign. So let me give you a couple of examples. So one of our clients attends a variety of different trade shows in their industry that they go to every year. So that's the basis that we run their campaign on. So based off of that, they go to a trade show. And then after we go, we personally go on our client's behalf to the trade show and say, hey, I understand you're running this trade show. Do you happen to have a, have a list of all the companies that were attending there? Right. We then go and get all that data for our client. And then we create a very specific campaign to the point yeah. where our client attended the trade show and then their sales rep, let's say you attended as well. You're getting an email from me a day, a few days after the trade show saying, hey, Chris, I missed you at the trade show. I understand you guys have been going there for a, a couple of years. How was your experience? And then we put some more templated stuff in there to, mm -hmm. to create the, to create the, I won't say it's an illusion of customization, but it's customized to the fact where it's still very relevant to you because right. you have that in common for some of our staffing clients. So I, I was in the staffing industry previously. So I have a lot of different staffing clients. What mm -hmm. we do is, is we, we're constantly looking on the job boards for the types of roles that companies are hiring. And then we cross-reference those job that clients or those people are hiring for. And then we reach out to the specific person hiring for that role. So you'd get a message from us. Let's say you're hiring, hiring a DevOps person. Right. You get a message from me saying, hey, Chris, I noticed you're advertising on Indeed for a DevOps manager. We just so happen to have a DevOps manager available right now. Would you be interested in potentially interviewing that person? That's right. See, and that's where you're filling a need. 
you know, that you're, you're making it like, hey, here, I have something of value that I can help you with. And, uh, um, you know, so it's, uh, I'm going to engage more than likely, I'm going to engage with that email that I'm at least going to stop and read it, um, which is the whole point, right, is you want them to stop and read that. Um, technology is great, it can be an incredibly useful tool to enable the, the sales team, like you said, to avoid the, the heavy lifting that can drag them down so much during the day and really get them to what they should be doing, which is, is engaging with prospects. Where do you cross the line or where do people cross the line and relying too much on technology as part of their sales process? I think as salespeople, it's so easy just to be like, okay, well, what's, what's my target market? Okay. I sell to people in the HVAC industry, right? So I'm just going to go onto LinkedIn and grab a list of 10,000 people in the HVAC industry and just say, Hey, Jeff, I understand you're working in the HVAC industry. We supply, we supply people who work in this industry. Let's set a meeting, which you can tell when you get those emails that it's more or less just spam. This person doesn't know anything about you. Right. You're never going to receive a personalized call from them because they're probably their entire entire sales process is just based off of cold email. Mm-hmm. And I, I think once you start to go down that route, if you're only getting one or two hits per thousands of prospects going into your system, then there's an issue there. Like those, those numbers are a bit too low. Yeah. Do you prefer in your process to engage with a phone call first or email first when you're trying to develop a a new prospect, someone who's never heard of you before? So I would say that varies industry to industry. So depending on the client, that phone call has a lot more weight than other phone calls. But generally speaking, the way that we typically look at that phone call component of it is by the time you receive a first email, we've done our research a little bit from us, or whether that's a LinkedIn message, first email, whatever, we don't actually end up calling unless you've had some sort of engagement with it. And this is where the technology piece comes back right, in right. with the way that we've built out our email servers for our clients. Like we have insight to everything. We know how long you've opened up an email. We know how many of our emails you've opened up in the last month and a half. So once you hit a certain percentage of engagement, it would then send a message to our BD team saying, hey, this person is 30% engaged. You might want to consider giving them a phone call. And we've noticed through that statistic right there, the actual cold call, our results are a lot better than it would be just saying, hey, I've got a list of 100 people here. I'm just going just gonna to call the list and, and see right. what happens. Right, right, right. Yeah, cause you only have so many hours in the day. Um, and not everybody was like you when they're, uh, you know, where you're doing a uh, hundred phone calls, just powering through day after day. Right? Yeah. And that's, that was great. Again, that was great 10 years ago, but the, the landscape has changed. It's yeah. just, especially, especially with COVID, right? Right. Everybody, everybody went from working in an office to like you and me today, we're, we're remote work from home. So, when that happened, all of these online databases that everybody uses for prospecting, like your Zoom infos, everybody yeah. knows that, that that exists out there, even our clients. The problem was is those phone numbers were no longer valid. So what did everybody do? They turned to email. Right. And because everybody turned to email, the email service providers like your Googles, your Microsoft, 
your Amazons, they created email filters and everybody's email started going to spam because the amount of email traffic over the last two years has gone up significantly. So for people utilizing only email during that time, the effectiveness of that strategy just completely, it wasn't as good as it was even a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. What about LinkedIn? Um, LinkedIn, especially during the pandemic, to me, a lot, it seemed like a lot of companies were shifting their focus to LinkedIn and trying to engage with prospect over LinkedIn. What's your opinion or experience around engagement over LinkedIn? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say the same about LinkedIn as anything else. LinkedIn as a standalone, you get what you put into it. But once we put the cold calling component into it and we have the cold email component into it or even the warm email component and LinkedIn, if we can connect all of these different platforms and add social media into it and essentially link a prospect up on a single sequence across multiple platforms, which is what we do, then your overall success of actually getting a response out of that person is the same. And we've had, I've had great success on LinkedIn and I do find that it on its own is, is effective already, but if we can tie it into the email, the social media, the phone call and the LinkedIn part, then the overall effectiveness of, of it is great. Obviously when, when I'm saying all these things, an overall prospect sequence lasts for us anywhere from two to three months. So it's not like you're receiving an email on day one, you're getting a LinkedIn request day two. Right. Just like anybody, buyers, the time somebody's going to buy your product is going to vary from client to client. So oh, yeah, we, we need to keep ourselves relevant for as long as we can with, again, not, not annoying anybody and trying to be professional along the way. Right. And that's the part too that I surprises me a bit when I talk with clients and their sales teams. Um, there's still a lot of salespeople out there that, hey, I sent this person three emails, they never responded, I'm moving on. Um, that lack of understanding that um, you do have to engage with people over an extended period of time before they're going to start to really uh, respond in any meaningful way. Um, can you talk about that a bit more and, and any advice you may have around our, you know, for our listeners around that, that level of engagement or the timeline of how long you need to, to go after these people? Yeah. So I, I'd say typical, like a typical salesperson will probably, if you set up like any sort of email sequence on a prospect, you'll put it out over, over a period of two weeks or something like that. We're finding the most success in, in extending this period out to 90 days. Like you might have an initial period where you might reach out to them two or three times just to see if you can get their attention. Right. But that's, if, if you're doing that, you're, you're relying on being in the right place at the right time. That's right. You're not actually developing a potential relationship with your, with your prospects yeah. and most business to business companies in order for you to really, really close any sort of deal, you need to develop a relationship with people. Right. That's what sales is. It's a people's business, just like yeah. staffing. So being present, respectfully present over 90 days is you'll usually get a response within 90 days. If you, and this is only like seven or eight messages within 90 days, you'll probably get a response. And at some point, you know, on one of those last messages, they might even reach out and just say, you know what, this just isn't relevant to me. Right. And then, Hey, at least, you know, and you can move on at that point. That's right. That's right. Um, how, if I'm a sales leader and I'm like, hey, I know I've got to leverage technology or maybe I'm not leveraging it enough, 
Um, what are some of those first steps I should be doing to begin uh, uh, aligning our processes to take advantage of the, the tools that are out there? What are some of the things I should be doing? I think that, like we've already discussed earlier in the day, when it comes to actual sales technology, there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different options out there and it can be really, really confusing to know, okay, where do I want to spend my budget? Where do I want to spend my resources when it comes to utilizing and enabling my sales team with technology? So I think it's really, really important to focus on where you're already seeing success. A lot of our clients have a lot of success with email marketing specifically, or if you're having success with LinkedIn specifically, then it would be good to dedicate some more resources to what you're already being successful with. Or the other way to look at it as well is bringing other aspects into it and connecting everything like we do at the digital branch and finding out the best way to connect everything for the most appropriate budget possible because you don't need to be, you don't need to be running to the bank or spending a lot on, on technology. Typically we're finding that per sales rep, typically we're with a, with spend and everything like that. You can probably get away with a very, very good sales process with them for about a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. And that's, this is across all technologies. This is like uh, LinkedIn sales nav account, um, a proper emailing system, the CRM put into that, and then connecting all of the technology through automation. It's, you can get, you can get by on a relatively lower budget per person and still make it work. But as we all know, true sales, you can never rely just on the technology. It's always going to come down to the salesperson in order for it to be successful. And that's in, in certain situations, that's where as, as a company, we struggle from time to time because we can, we can go in and we can sell you on the process, but if the sales team doesn't have the hunger or if the sales team isn't engaged enough to actually make good on connecting everything and making sure that at the end of the day, you're still having the phone call with the customer and creating that relationship, then it's just not going to be successful. Right. Right. And that's, that's the part that I, I do see that with, uh, um, with various companies in, in a lot of different industries where they think technology is going to solve all their problems with the sales team. And I've yet to see technology that, that can fix crap process or, you know, those fundamental techniques. At some point you have to engage with the client and close the deal. Right. Yeah. And technology isn't going to solve that problem. No, no. And that's at, at the end of the day, that's why you always want people who are relevant to the type of product you're selling. They can go out there, they have deep knowledge of the product and that's, what's going to make the difference. We can make, we can get rid of the administrative work as much as possible, but at the end of the day, there's still that, um, that's, there's still that magic that needs to happen in order to, to close deals and, and push any sort of sales program forward. Right. So if I were to go out and hire the digital brands, what's the first 90 days look like um, when you engage with a client? What are you trying to get done with them? So typically for the first 
30 days, what we do is, is it's all about learning. We want to learn your organization. We have want to have a good understanding of what's your target sales market. How many, how many different, how many different products do you have? How many different services do you have? Where can we get the most bang for our buck when we're building out a program that can utilize the most amount of technology and enable your sales team to be successful? Then part two, which is kind of 30 to the 90 day mark is beginning to execute on that process. But the thing is, is the way that we're built up is it's a slow ramp up. And the great thing about our service is we have 100%, we, we bail out 100% based off of results. So a lot of the times, depending on the client, We'll, we can we bill out per meeting and there's no cost to our clients unless we're physically booking meetings for our clients. Yeah. And then in other in other aspects, we we do have retainer services when when we get to a point where that cost per meeting is is more than the cost of what our actual retainer would be. <laughs> right, right. Um, what's our, uh, um, you know, again, you always try to look at things from a sales leader perspective that, um, you know, when I'm coming into a new role, you know, maybe I'm a sales leader at a new organization, I'm coming in and I want to begin creating this transformation. Um, what advice do you have for them and when it comes to evaluating the technology that they're using uh, as part of their sales process? So for sales leaders, it's, it's a lot, looking at, at it from an evaluation standpoint is a lot different from an actual sales rep. And the one main difference I see there is the actual reporting and statistics that surround any sort of sales technology is so important to salespeople because you wanna see how many prospects are going into your system from step one. And then you want to be able to measure your success per prospect going into the system. So. Being able to get a good gauge on your success ratios is going to be the very first thing I would do in any particular organization. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, secondly, compared to that, what I would personally do is I'd go in and I'd start talking to a lot of the clients that we've signed in the last two years, and I'd find out how did we actually sign these clients? What methods did we use to sign these clients? And how did we engage them? Once we engaged them, how did we get it to the contract phase. Once we got to the contract phase, how did we end up actually closing the, the client? Did we put a proof of concept in? Just going through speaking to our current clients and working my way backwards would yeah. be step one. And then once I had a good understanding, a good sample size of all the clients that we've worked with, I would then start to build the technology around that. Because like I said, some, some clients are very successful with email. Some clients are very successful with LinkedIn. Some, it's, it's a phone world out there for them. And being able to identify which has the most weight is where the investment should really, it should really matter for sales leaders. Right. I love that approach because, you know, it's funny, we're a technology company, we implement CRM. Um, and one of my frustrations is when, you know, when we're engaging with someone, when they're like, hey, we need CRM, um, what I frequently find is they're starting with the technology decision first without having that clear understanding 
of really what their needs are based upon what they're trying to get done with their clients or who they're targeting or, you know, whatever is related to their, their processes and what they're trying to get done, their data. You know, there's so many factors that layer into this. And if you don't have that clear understanding, you're more than likely probably going to, you're, you're increasing your risk of making a bad technology decision. Um, so I, I love that, that, you know, start, get your homework done. There's no shortcuts to this, right? Yeah. Start, start with the solution and then work your way back to the technology is the way to go. Yeah, I agree with that hundred um, percent. What advice do you have around when it comes time to, to implement this technology to measure the success of the impact the technology solution, this level of automation is having on your business? So the great thing about actually having and being in the weeds and looking at the technology day to day is there's so much information available out there, but what's, what's actually the relevant in, information? Like when it comes to sales, we, we know how many dials we're doing and how many answers we're getting. How many, how many of those phone calls are we, are we switching to meetings? On the email, we have our open rates, we have our response rates, we have our click-through rates. On LinkedIn, we have the exact same thing. How many people are opening our emails? How many people are accepting the connection requests? But really the, the only important thing at the end of the day is actually, are there new clients coming in the door? So, uh, and, and the, the, the way I, I, I like to think about this it's is the staffing industry and it's it's such an old way of looking at it but i've i found if i take this type of model and take it into un, other industries it, it typically has a pretty good it translates well mm -hmm. and that is in the staffing industry per se we look at it in terms of how many clients do we have first of all and in the staffing industry, when a client gives us a job, we call it a job order, right? So how many of our, how many job orders do we have? I can tell you for a certain, certain fact, we have a 30% chance of closing every single job order that comes in the door. So I know from my perspective and a sales perspective, if I'm bringing in about four job orders a month, I'm going to get a placement a month. So for a typical salesperson, we now know, okay, for them to be very, very, for them to be a good salesperson in the staffing industry, we typically want them closing about three deals per month. So that then equals 12 job orders. Okay. And then now breaking it down more from that, we know that, okay, in order to get 12 job orders, we need five clients. And then just breaking it down from there, that those five clients, we can essentially just work our way backwards to say, okay, well, this means we need to have we need to have 10, 10 agreements out in order for us to get 10 agreements out. We need to be sending, we need to be, we need to be making a hundred phone calls, sending a okay. thousand emails, and then just working it back from there to the point where uh, from the day-to-day -day perspective of the actual salesperson, they know that, okay, well, if I'm prospecting, if I'm prospecting 80 people a day and engaging those 80 mm -hmm. people, then I'm going to be getting my three deals a month. It's like an episode of Shark Tank. You have to know your numbers, right? To For be sure. successful, you got to know your numbers. For sure. And when, when I go in and I start speaking to any sales leader from the digital branch's perspective, that's always where we start is how many, do you know how many phone calls you need to, in order to book X amount of meetings, which equals X amount of agreements out, which equals X amount of closed deals.
let's shift our focus a little bit to uh, when you're those early days when you're engaging with a client. Um, do you engage with them around uh, their level of understanding of who their ideal customer is? What's that profile of who they should be targeting? Yeah, yeah. And I, I do find that speaking to a lot of companies, everybody knows their ideal like customer profile very, very well. The, the one thing that really, really has helped us be successful is taking unique approaches to actually engaging that ideal that ideal customer. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, about yeah. That unique so, approach. Yeah, so so a lot of the time we we take we take what's worked in a lot of other industries and introduce it to an industry that may not be as necessarily familiar with it. Like earlier in the podcast, I mentioned about how we did the example of going to the trade shows and engaging people at those trade shows. So that's a really good way of going into the process. The other, the other way, the other trigger that we've set up for as an example is on, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn can be a great tool, even outside of the actual outreach component of it. One of our clients works with what they do is they sell to they sell specific technology to sales managers, but they know that, um, that it works best on new sales managers going into roles. So what we can do as a result of that is we can utilize LinkedIn to actually do our prospecting right. and we can see new sales managers coming into roles in the last three months in a specific industry, for example. Right. So we can pull those people from LinkedIn and create an entire campaign, which makes the customization part of the actual outreach a lot easier for us. Yeah, no, I love that. It's it's knowing what are those trigger events that, that um, we talk about this all the time with our clients when we're setting up CRM is trying to understand that usually for someone to make a buying decision, there usually has to be some kind of external pressure or event that's making them say, hey, I need this. Um, and so it's understanding what is that event? How can I get data around that? How can I get that in my CRM to then funnel the engine or to, to fuel the engine, right? For sure, for sure, and it's it's those it's those special triggers which really makes the difference. Because like right. I mentioned before, a lot of salespeople will just go in and you know search for the tags, industry, right. and whatever type of other tags that they can use. But it's really con- combining these with other triggers, and then co- doing a finding the balance between customization and actually getting some volume around that, which is really makes people successful in modern day. No, yeah, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. Uh, We may sound like it's super easy to do this stuff. Sometimes it can be very, very hard, but it's worth the effort, right? For sure, for sure. And again, at the the end of the day, if if you're putting in the time and you've got a good knowledge base around you, you'll be successful. Yeah, awesome. I think that's a good spot for us to, to close out, Trevor. I really appreciate you coming on Sales Lead Dog. If people want to reach out and connect with you, Trevor, and learn more about the digital branch, um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way would be through email, which is Trevor at the digital branch, or you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. And we'll have all that information in our show notes. Um, to get those show notes, um, hit us up on impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog uh, to get this episode as well as all our other episodes of sales lead dog. Um, Trevor, thank you for coming on and welcome to the pack. Thanks. Glad to be here, Chris. 
As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.